The Rufus Project would like to advise the following podcast contains spoilers for Harem Scarum from 1965. If you do not wish to have this movie spoiled, please watch it before listening to the following podcast. Is it an Elvis classic, or is playing a movie acting singing star a stretch for Elvis Presley? We watched Harem Scarum from 1965 to see if we could redeem it. Were we successful? Find out after the theme. So that it's good, what's this movie? Do you think we should? Got bad, I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Hello, and welcome to the Rufus Project Redeeming Features cast. Or maybe we should just call it the Rufus Project since it's the main thing we've got now. Anyway, never mind, we'll work that out as we go along. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Holland, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host... Christian Fletcher, thank you very much, Trevor, for having me back. And it seems like seems like by the tone of our voice that we have managed to somehow survive our latest movie. So thank you, as always, for having me back to, as you say, redeem a film. Well, attempt to. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's at least the idea. So yeah, yeah. Um, now we we may be a bit mellow tonight. Um, to be honest, um, I'm kind of on painkillers at the moment, and and Christian had a bit of a big night last night. So I still think we can put something good together. But if we start snoring, you will know why. Okay, we'll uh, try to keep on task and keep focused. But um, we'll see how we go. Okay. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and we we promise the we promise the snoring is not us in any way referencing the movie. It is how we feel right now. So don't don't take that too much to heart. So, <laughs> so harem harem scarum much to I don't know our disgust. But as I said, I recently went through, or well, I still kind of am going through a bit of an Elvis boom and kind of wanting to revisit some of these movies. And I thought, well, if we look at sort of these movies that need to be redeemed, these essentially bad movies, I say in inverted commas, why not look at one of the worst of the Elvis? movies he did about 32 in his career so i thought let's dig the bottom of the barrel and and not start with one of the bigger ones but um mm. so harem scarum is the reason for um for the request this week absolutely now if uh, people don't know what it's about um mind you i don't know if you really need to worry too much about the plot of those movies <laughs> but we've got the synopsis here american singer johnny tyrone is enlisted by sinister forces to assassinate an arab king whose daughter he has fallen in love with. And I can say that by this period, I suppose, in his film career, as you were saying, Trevor, I don't think the plot really mattered too much, you know. I think people were just happy to see their their king on screen performing in, in any way, shape or form. But he has two distinct movie periods, and, and when he got out of the, of the, um, the army in the early 60s, that's when things sort of started to go a bit downhill. You know, he had iconic movies like Blue Hawaii and Viva Las Vegas. and But it was during these movies that the sort of Elvis formula of movies started to happen. And, and while many aspects of this might seem a bit tired, and even as you were saying, the plot summary, like it doesn't really matter too much, but I think by 1965, Elvis was pretty bored with it. The audiences were getting bored, but hey, it was an Elvis movie that was still filling in the, filling the drive-ins and, and the cinemas. But I'm interested to know actually what the... How the, how it actually went at the box office? Yeah, well, uh, that's a, a good lead into our turkey trivia. 
Uh, so we can talk Turkey. 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 <laughs> and then <laughs> trivia about this. Uh, so it is rated 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Budget-wise, I've got to admit, first of all, surprised to find a, the budget for a movie this old. It's pretty rare. Uh, and also by the size of it. It was actually $2.4 million was spent on this movie. Um, and its box office at the time was 1.5 million. So, oh yeah. wow! So it really didn't didn't do quite that well. And I'm wondering if it was the public sort of having cottoned on to the quality of the films by this stage, and were kind of a bit iffy about seeing it. Because look, I grew up in a family of Elvis fanatics, I suppose you could say. My parents are huge fans, and even on the weekend, I said to Dad, oh, "Look, I chose <laughs> Harum Scarum out of one of the worst." And my dad even said, "Oh God, that's the, that's the absolute worst one." We saw that when it came out, <laughs> and we didn't go back to the cinema to see it a second time. So I think it. Got, by this stage, people were just kind of going or staying away in droves. <laughs> so that's very much reflective in that box office because he was, you know, pulling a lot of um, box office, you know, in the years leading up to that. So that actually is quite bad. Yeah. yeah well, and, um, after seeing the film, apparently a studio executive said that Elvis movies don't need titles. They could just be numbered. Oh, easy. <laughs> oh, I can tell by this stage. And I even think, not stepping, jumping ahead too much, but I, I think Elvis looked so bored that I think he'd really even realised that, what have I got myself in for? But his manager, um, Colonel Parker, which I was interested to see his name mentioned as technical advisor in the opening credits, but Colonel Parker had a very big um, say in his career, and I, I have heard that he really just kept putting him in these movies just to make money. So it was really, it wasn't about talent or advancing his career at, at any stage like he wanted to be a serious actor but not with as i'm watching it, I'm, I'm, I'm watching him trying to be all serious and in many ways <laughs> fulfilling that with some of his acting but you're looking at it going gosh you're not going to do it in a movie called harem scarum mm-hmm. well funny you should mention that because uh, apparently elvis himself was very disappointed with the script he thought it would be more dramatic than his usual films. Again, it's called Harem Scarum, dude. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the, the moment you've got Elvis at least singing some kind of a song, and usually by this stage too, Trevor, which I didn't mention earlier, the soundtracks became very, um, let's say, forgettable. <laughs> There's not even probably a hit on them at this stage. And um, so I, I think always having him as a character that sings, you're never going to get him away from that Elvis persona. So he really was stuck in this, as, as they said, a numbered Elvis movie. This was probably, mm-hmm. as I said, he did 32 movies, and I think by I think he sort of his last one was 69. So yeah, he would have been up to about one of the 20th ones by now. So <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been something he wanted to do um, as a singing star. He, as you said, wanted to advance into um, dr- dramatic roles, but this wasn't it. Yeah, well, I think um, I don't know. I mean, I think he could have had been a bit more enthusiastic about it, uh, and this might also help explain that budget. Because apparently this was the only time Elvis got paid a $1 million salary for doing a movie. Gosh, which is interesting. I thought he would have actually got that beforehand. But we are talking mid-60s where, yeah, that was probably an unheard of number. Mm. So it was it was almost like they had this really bad script. MGM's like, look, just get Elvis in it. We'll pay whatever we have to and, and we'll pass it. But, yeah, just to see the quality and the deterioration of the movies just over sort of three or four years from before this film, you just sort of go, oh, it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, what went wrong. If you want to move on, I mean, obviously, I'm thinking we're already getting a bit of a shape here of, of, uh, yeah, of yes. this movie, but we, we need to start with our baseline. Now, I don't know if it's just the sort of people who get Elvis movies on Amazon, but 
to be honest, there wasn't that much in the way of negative reviews based on reviews, and uh, they they were all pretty much the same. So what I've done is, is I've grabbed one that seemed typical of them all. The title of this review is Not One of His Better Movies. Not One of His Better Movies. I just got this because I'm a big fan of Elvis and I want to own all his work. Three stars. <laughs> oh, well that, knowing my bit of my knowledge of Elvis fans and Elvis fan clubs, that kind of does sound like the, um, the, um, interests of, of those sort of fans because yeah they're very much they're very much completists but you don't bag out don't bag out the Elvis movies even though they probably were, weren't too favorable so yeah it's interesting that that sums it all up so yeah we had to have the complete collection and, and harem scarum was missing yeah absolutely gotta fill in that blank <laughs> but surely you can go either go possibly it can possibly plateau from here or go up from here Trevor so I'm interested to see what um what we can yeah, conclude yeah. from this movie. <laughs> I tell you what, though, but I, when the movie actually started, I, I, it actually made me realise I missed the MGM line. It, it was good to see oh. the old line up there again, doing the rah rah. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of gives you that that feel, feeling of a classic movie, even if it might not, even if the, the title itself might be a bit debatable. But yeah, I do know what you mean. I, I do miss that a lot, and it almost gives MGM almost gives it that extra um, bit of class, which possibly this movie needed. And, um, yeah, so it's, again, showing that these movies were all released by very, very major film companies. They weren't just sort of these independent... Like all the Beatles movies, you know, they ended up becoming, you know, pretty much independent features that were just made very cheaply. So, you know, they were putting a lot of work into these Elvis movies and a lot of money. And, and you know, of course, when as soon as the opening credits start and you've got your, your I think, Elvis singing Harem Holiday, obviously a big hit for the star, not... Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just a little bit misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially when he has to repeat it at the end with his harem of dancing girls. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you're very much... I know. I, I don't know how familiar you are with them in general, Trevor, but this is... Yeah, you're seeing pretty much what happens in an Elvis movie. It always opens with him singing the title song over some kind of flashy um, credits because they just want this to be light, fluffy, and not have to worry about something for 80 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, those opening titles were pretty funky. You've got to admit. <laughs> For the time. You know, I, yeah. but I do love how in any... I'm probably stepping ahead in here too. Any reference they can make... Metaphor is probably not the word, but any reference they can make to Middle Eastern in any kind of design. <laughs> you got the kind of dancing um, buildings, or I don't know what you'd call them, but um, of palaces and things like that in, in the images. So, yeah, it's an, I just noticed they threw in any reference they could to Middle Eastern. It's, it's like they really wanted to do a totally different movie than Elvis had done before and, and really milk that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, um, mm, um, you know, well, after we, we get our, our little, um, because, yeah, quite, quite a meta thing, it starts with them showing the scene from a movie that had just been done by the movie star who was being played by Elvis in this movie. Oh, boy. And the, oh, God, that, that, that tiger growl in the, in that little snippet from the other movie that looked like a much more action-packed movie than the one we ended up with. Yeah, um, exactly. The, the dubbed-in growl of the tiger, they just weren't letting up on that, like every single move. <laughs> Seriously? And then they cut to the, oh. they cut to the tiger who's just sitting there watching what's going on. 
<laughs> but I love how, like, you know, I always think in these sort of movies, you don't ever want to show Elvis sort of in a bad light, but then you've just got Elvis just killing the tiger with his bare hands, and I'm like, this is in the first, like, two minutes of the movie, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, I suppose he's, he's trying to break away into more serious acting. <laughs> I'm such a tiny one, too. Don't hurt the kitty. <laughs> but then, in true Elvis movie style, or possibly in, in the, the, the type of actor he was playing in these movies, in the, um, whatever the movie was called, within the movie, in, uh, hey, I'm getting confused, but of course he always has to kill the tiger and then serenade the girl straight away, because you can't have Elvis not singing a song in the first, probably two songs within the first five minutes, it just wouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah, it happens pretty fast when they, uh, when they cut out to the, the audience of uh, Arab investors or something watching the movie. Mm, a bit confused there, but yeah. yeah and I don't, I don't, that's the thing. Half the time I'm thinking, is a lot of this really racially incorrect? But I just sort of let it slide <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. Again, 1965. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did make a note saying... Well, my my little sarcastic note here is, gee, I'm glad they avoided stereotypes with the locals. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Every single uh, non-American in the scene, uh, it was either a, a, a dude with a beard wearing a, um, oh, what are they called? I should know what they're called. I've gone like blank. A turban, sort of a turban. That's it. Thank you very <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> Brain work. Um, and uh, like pretty much every woman was either dressed elegantly or was basically wearing a, a midriff revealing um like belly dance outfit <laughs> and it was like they almost did this so elvis would just stand out like a sore thumb in every shot like you know he's the only american as such you know and it was really like and i, and I think it would have been a lot to do with um you know in these movies like I, you know as i said colonel parker had a big say in elvis movies and i want he he never wanted to be him to be overshadowed by anybody because he was the big star so it was almost like everyone else had to be the stereotype as long as elvis was his traditional black slicked back hair and, and you know usually looking completely out of place in obviously until he gets into his arab gear a little bit later but <laughs> i um but it was funny how yeah like again we've, we've had him serenading the girl singing the opening credits and then i think i'm probably jumping ahead here when they after he's done the opening at the premiere they have to call johnny up on aka elvis onto the stage to sing one more time just for the audience because this is an elvis movie that's what mm. the audience is paying to see <laughs> yep they're paying to see an audience watching Elvis. Yeah, so that's the thing, you know, even though these movies did become quite bad, you know, they were, they had a formula to fulfil and really people weren't going there for the plot, you know, even though they tried their hardest to make this one as convoluted, it's probably not the word, but they tried to draw a lot more out of it than really probably existed there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so yeah, so, so from what I understand, because he could fight well in the movie. He gets abducted by these band of assassins so they can use him for an assassin to assassinate the father of the love interest. We don't know she's a love interest at the time. Yeah, one of the love interests. There's, there's yeah. usually in these movies, there's usually two he's vying for over the course of the movie. So, yeah, he does sort of go from one and drops them and goes to the other. But, yeah, it is quite confusing. And a lot of it was, and I may be getting my years mixed up, but when he sort of, um, these, these assassins or this kingdom that we end up going to in the Middle East, they say they've been untapped pretty much by Western civilization was for 2,000 years or something ridiculous like that. So a lot of things... 
again, didn't match up to me because I'm like, well, I thought it was kind of going to be this Galaxy Quest-style thing where they've been watching him on this movie screen thinking it was all real, so they go and get it. But if they, I don't know, they wouldn't have had access to know that he was a star. I'm just very confused. But hence we were performing in an audience of sort of an Arab audience, so I'm assuming that was a lot to do with it. But, yeah, I was very confused. Yeah, so, um, again, I think I've already established... The plot really isn't the point, uh, yeah. Because yeah, like all, all these, uh, all, all the the Arab characters, mostly played by Caucasian <laughs> actors, of course. Mm. Um, just um, yeah, they're all very refined and very straightforward and very serious. And until you get to uh, to the guy who's almost like his comic sidekick throughout the movie. Um, oh yeah, he's the, like the, the I've got the beggar, I suppose I've called him here. But the one who's kind of ends up bringing his sort of whole family or, or band of thieves all end up taking him in, don't they? So, but yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. He does seem very much like the comic relief of the film. I, I didn't think of it like that, but yeah, he almost has to be doing something really bumbling. And uh, like, there's a scene like later on in the movie when he's doing the, those kind of, I don't know, wolf or whatever, crow calls or whatever like that. And it was just bizarre. And I'm like, yeah, I suppose he was supposed to be the comic relief or, or yeah. supposed to maybe have, to have a bit of energy that Elvis was probably lacking a little bit too because he was very stiff throughout. Yeah, I, I think I think he really had the most um, the most energy in the entire movie because just his overwrought reactions to nearly everything that happened was just like, okay, he's the, uh, he's the scenery chewer for this movie and... and uh, it would be good if he was actually funny, but you know, at least he's giving it a try. Oh, exactly. Hey, he was—he wasn't up to movie number twenty-five. He it was probably his, one of his first movies, so he was—he was making most of it. But Elvis was very, yeah. And you notice it a lot actually, because you know, just having seen like say *Viva Las Vegas* from two years previous, which is you know, was probably his best film, and you know, he's amazing in that. And but just to see how almost stiff and uncomfortable he seems in this entire movie, and I don't know if that was him trying to be a bit less of the dancing movie star, because you know, in a lot of these older roles, he'd you know, swing his hips or through the songs, but he seemed like it was very subdued. Jude in this, and I don't know if that was literally he was bored out of his brain, or things probably, you know, I, I don't know if, I know things started to go bad for Elvis in the 70s, but I'm surely it wasn't happening around this point, but he just seems, as we were saying, the other guy was trying to do as much scene-chewing scene as he could do, because no one else was really um, rising to that. <laughs> yeah, well, again, like, as we mentioned earlier, like, he, he was hoping this would be a more serious movie for him, um, so I'm guessing he was at a point where he wanted to do more than just um, have an excuse to put a bunch of songs where he shakes his hips at people, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and do something meatier. So, um, so yeah, so maybe yeah, that, that more uh, that more subdued Elvis is is a whole thing of 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 what he wanted the movie to be, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Mm, but that's it. like I was saying earlier. I think it's it's always a sh- not a shame. But when he does actually come out with a really bad musical number, say for example in this movie, you're almost like he'll never really be considered as a serious actor until he stops breaking out into song. But then, <laughs> what we we're saying earlier too, that, that's what people are paying to go and see an Elvis movie for. So it was a really hard thing. It was, and it was probably a, you know it was the beginning of the end for his his movie career. As I said, I think he probably only did another five or six for another four years after that. So, and I think actually in the last two movies actually his last movie was with um, the recently 
um, recently passed away, Mary Tyler Moore, and I think he sings one song in it, or barely even, and there's a couple leading up to that, he sings nothing. So he was, yeah, probably getting at the stage where he was quite over it. But but God, those songs, they started to give him Trevor. They're, I think the only one that re- kind of sticks in my brain is that Shake That Tambourine, yeah. <laughs> That's the only one that I can probably still kind of remember the song, but the rest of them mm-hmm. just sort of <laughs> blend into one another. These quite tired ballads where, again, any kind of desert metaphor he can bring in, <laughs> they do. Yeah, well, I, I, know, I know the word harem featured in a, in a lot of the songs, um, <laughs> which is just like not quite that tasteful. And, um, and, and yeah, there seemed to be a lot of people wanting him to buy them as well, oh, which I, I really oh. just was not comfortable with. And it's just like, oh, yeah, buyers, we'll head back with you and we'll cater for your every need and we'll cook and clean for you. And it's like, yeah, well, look, we all know what the word harem normally implies. So, mm. yeah, good job trying to cover Again. up <laughs> what's going though, on. There wasn't anything... There wasn't anything particularly bad in the movie, you know, like it's still a light-hearted bit of fluff, I suppose, but I still kept looking at the, believe it or not, I do have the DVD, I was looking at the DVD case going, this is still rated G, and there'd be a lot of this stuff, it's not that it's bad for children to watch, but yeah, there's a lot of this, you're just thinking, yeah, it's not really quite a family movie to sit down and watch all of <laughs> especially when you've got a scene later on when one of the little girls who wants to grow up to be a slave girl almost does this weird, I found it quite awkward, doing that weird dance for him, and he sings to her, look, oh, I, I, oh I don't God. want thinking of it. Oh, the hey little girl. It is a weird thing. Oh, it just was, was just quite creepy. strange, and I don't want to. Th- yeah, <laughs> creepy's the word, and and it's actually when I was saying that there's a real formula in these films. It actually started with Blue Hawaii. Elvis always seemed to have to do a song with a group of kids, like the locals, or and they're usually some exotic song where they're doing some kind of hand gesture. Like a, well, that sounds <laughs> that doesn't sound too good, but you know what I mean. Like doing some like a local, um, you know, like sign language or something like yeah, that, and singing yeah. to the kids. So it seemed to be. So when this happened, I'm like, oh, of course, every Elvis movie tends to have one of those now. So, but yeah, that was quite strange, and I think I've got the quote here where she says, um. Oh, where is it? Something, but I'm going to be a slave girl one day. And he's like, oh, you don't want to do that. And he goes, yes, but it's something like she's along the lines of, yes, but it's such an achievement and things like that. And I'm just cringing. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that's a, like the entire scene, because that's the scene where the three girls in the troupe um, ask for Elvis to buy them so that they can get away from the evil one, being the comic relief dude we mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, so evil. <laughs> and, and then, like, you know, there's all sorts of stuff happens and they back and forth and it just gets more and more awkward. And then there's just, like, this awkward silence and then the little girl pipes up with the, the slavery line and we get the Hey Little Girl song, which, again, because he was literally singing it to a little girl and some of the lyrics in there, I'm just going, this is just so wrong. I I just, mm. what am I watching? I don't understand why this is happening. Oh, my God, let it stop. And then, yeah, it took a while to stop. <laughs> and, the, and the thing about it, too, is like, you know, it could have been a song easily sung to a, you know... They could have used it for one of those songs that he sings to one of the the older ladies, you know, one of the ones, one of the girls that he's vying for the attention. It would have made a lot more sense because I think there were even lines like in there, like um, you know, you've only got eyes for me, and you feel like you almost it's almost like Elvis is saying, "Yep, everyone loves me," <laughs> you know, I'm a star. Yeah. But these were quite quite strange songs, and um, as I said, it became quite a, a typical thing. But it never it had never been creepy as as much as it had been in, in um, Harem Scarum. But but um, sort of to go from you've got them sort of doing all these, yeah, again these. Slave dances, which is also very um, 
politically incorrect or incorrectly used again in the final scene when they're all dancing around him with this harem of girls but it seemed to be all the other songs were either them him hallucinating or them seeing him in a pond now there was a lot of uses of ponds here and i thought this was quite unusual there'd be the the typical him sitting in the the window at the prison singing out to the stars about the girl and then you've got one having a almost like um the song hopelessly devoted to you in Greece when she sees um, John Travolta's face in the in the waiting pool and um, mm-hmm. the same thing happens and, and it's not just Elvis singing for 30 seconds oh no we have to watch the entire song of him singing from a pond and it just it was quite bizarre but hey they could have used that hey little girl the the love interest I can't remember her name I don't think it really matters now I've got Aisha one was Aisha <laughs> and one was Shamala and I, I think Aisha was the girl that ended up being the what I think Tried to be a bit of a Bond girl <laughs> by the second half. I think mm-hmm. that's Aisha, and the other one was Shamala. Yeah, Shamala was the one with the uh, with the with the pond inside the house. Uh, but I just thought she looked really confused during that whole uh, Elvis's Elvis's disembodied head reflecting from the pool, <laughs> singing to her. I must admit, there was a lot of pouts where she'd look away and kind of... She, she's probably thinking, what else can I do when the camera goes on me? But pout and look at him and kind of look around. But yeah, it was quite quite strange. But it was almost like they were imitating a scene earlier where... Um, I, was it with the comic relief? Yeah, when Elvis gets away. And, and they, El, it's probably one of the worst scenes Elvis would have ever been in with when he has to dress up essentially as a lily pad and um, swim through this pond to get to the other side of the... <laughs> to get past the guards. And it was mm. so it was funny again, him singing in a pond. And I'm like, oh, they seem to like that theme in this movie but again a, a thing I don't think I'd ever see the, the king wearing a lily pad ever again in a movie and I, that was when I started to go things are going bad for you dude <laughs> yeah but but you know they, they it, it's more Middle Eastern for him to hide in a pond inside a uh, a, a, a big building complex with the lily pad on his head um, but- I love yeah. how the ponds always, and it's like what you said, how the budget was about two million or so. Like I don't know if that, like it was a very studio bound movie. And as a result, yeah, anything pond related, you're like, oh, it just, it just, it just screamed. Yeah, we've just built this, you know. It had, no, it had no, it wasn't believable at all. And I think there was actually a couple of parts. I think it was when he was in the prison, and you look out in the distance and you can see the palace, and it was quite obvious that it was a cardboard cutout and, and well lit. And I don't normally matter. I understand these films are old, but it was. I had a bit of a chuckle to myself. Like, it felt very studio-bound, but I'd, I'd say most of the budget went to paying for Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he's a big, uh, a big part of it. Um, but, oh, my God, but, uh, like, when when that Elvis singing from the uh, water pool finished and, um, I don't know, Shalimar's uh, slave girl or... Guardian, I don't know what exactly was came yeah, back. They in all seem to have like their own harems as well, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they they started talking about love and stuff like that. And it was just like it was just the acting was just so stilted. I <laughs> thinking, oh. oh, it's just this awkward dialogue with this awkward performance. I'm just going, wow, that's just a perfect storm of of bad everything in a movie, just right there. Yeah. And it, it seems like, you know, not that Elvis necessarily is the saviour of all these movies. Well, I suppose he is. He's, he's the reason we watch them. But really, any scene that Elvis is in, you almost go, why are we bothering even watching this? Because they just felt so much like it was the other characters trying to pick up the pieces of just a really bad movie. And and um, usually in these films, you know, he'd be opposite people like, say, Nancy Sinatra and Margaret. Like, usually popular names, but by the sort of mid-60s, and it probably was a, a money thing by this, he sort of wasn't playing alongside anyone famous. So I don't even... I didn't 
actually we didn't look at it in the trivia, but I'm not sure if the actual the girl that I said ended up looking quite Bond esque. I think it was Asia. She looked like she actually was a Bond girl, possibly from one of the actual Connery movies or something like that. But you know, I don't know if these were famous girls at this stage. But um, yeah, I think very much it was Elvis and a lot of unknowns that were probably trying their best to maybe have a career after this movie. <laughs> You, you never know. I mean, yeah. Again, like I'm, go, I'm looking down through the list of names, and nothing jumps out at me. So I'm sure there's plenty of people who acted as bit parts and background in other movies as well. Um, yeah. Probably just you know, just under a contract to the studio to just appear as required without actually having to be paid too much uh, would be well, my actually... uh, impression. <laughs> Yeah, and they probably had no say. Like, I actually interviewed um, a gentleman, <coughs> excuse me, from LA recently who um, is in seven of the Elvis movies. Felt like saying, you poor guy. And, and and in seven of the really bad ones, too. And yeah, you do get the feeling. Yeah, they were very much contract players and they, they did what they did. So, um, yeah, but um, they very much seemed like they were, um, you know, trying to act their way out. But as you said, some, a lot of it came across quite bad. But the one part that really, oh, I thought this had to be in an Elvis movie, the part where, I know this is earlier on, but um, when he gets drugged and, and brought to the other palace, and he, he pretty much is surrounded by, again, how very inappropriate, with all this harem of girls all over him, but may as well have been an Elvis fan club, to be honest. Um, you know, they're all around him, and he wakes up to sing half-drugged and then goes back to being drugged again. It, just, it was just one of those moments. You're like, oh... Now, you want to be a serious actor? Don't wake up um, from your your drug-induced state just to sing a song about, it must be a mirage. <laughs> yeah, it but, was just but Christian, strange. it had been more than five minutes since the last song. Oh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> that said, like, I know, looking back at movies like Blue Hawaii, he sings 12 songs in that film, but it didn't feel as... Mundane's not the word. It didn't feel as plotting as it did, and I think it's because these songs were so unforgettable. And and you'd bring a lot of scenes in with, like what we said with the the, the harem girls, where they'd have to do a five minute dancing routine. But it almost seemed quite. Um, oh, I don't know what the word is to look at. It was almost like let them have their scene. No, Elvis has to come in and save the day because just the girls dancing isn't enough. I have to sing over the top. Like I, I kind of felt a bit jilted when. Um, yeah, the, the, the girls are out dancing, trying to get their um, their money out in the town square, and, and Elvis is like, I'm going to help them out. And he essentially steals the mic from them, steals the attention from them, puts mm-hmm. the, the tray out and gets all this money, and then the place, everyone scatters, and Elvis is left with all the money, and I'm just thinking to myself, God, he didn't even attempt to give it to the girls that you were trying, <laughs> like it came across, not very chivalrous. <laughs> no, no, well, considering that they, they were dancing to keep the crowd distracted from the... Uh, from the the little guy, I suppose we oh, can say. Um, who oh was gosh! Not who who was not at all stealthy when he was uh, stealing money from people in the crowd. <laughs> Especially those really obvious shots where they, he'd cut the bag off their belt, and you just I think there's one shot where you're like, oh gosh! In real life, you would have seen that, and the guy you just see the actor looking straight ahead. Nope, I'm, I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then um, but of course, you know, of course. Even with the crowd being distracted by the dancing girls and Elvis, he still gets spotted, so we get to have a comical chase scene with inept guards, because that's not a stereotype. Oh, no, of course not. And, but then again, I'm thinking, you know, are Elvis fans really wanting to see this sort of thing? But, you know, they're trying to give this movie whatever plot they can. But it's like whenever they do try and have these fight scenes or, or chase scenes, they're never really that well shot. It just becomes just a mess of, as you say, stereotypes and... People wearing costumes that might not be appropriate. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and 
pretty poor fight choreography. Um, oh, God. Alba seemed to really enjoy kicking people in this movie, I noticed. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I even, again, like I know I, I said it earlier with Elvis with the tiger, but I don't know, there seems to be something bad about seeing Elvis actually even just fight somebody and... and and bash them up and, 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 and essentially in the case of the tiger kill it you know so it's almost kind of a weird thing it is almost like he needed to do that sort of stuff to be taken more seriously you know and, and not um, not be more light hearted but yeah it's quite a strange film but I had to laugh at the part where um, I think he was trying to get on the horses or he's riding the horses around and I was reminded of Ishtar, actually. A lot through this movie I was with the whole Middle Eastern reference, and I remember there was a really um, awkward scene with a camel in that. And I think there were scenes with the horses, I'm like, they seemed so restless. And I, I, all, the only verdict I could come to was, these, these, even these horses don't want to be in this movie. <laughs> they were trying to get out of the shot, no matter what they could do. So, <laughs> But Elvis did his best to wrangle them, because actually a lot of the very early Elvis movies, probably in the, in the first phase, which was before he went to the army, all the 50s sort of ones, they were very much... Wild in the Country, Flaming Star, Follow That Dream, all country-based things where he'd play like a cowboy or someone who lived on a ranch. So whenever I do see him on horses, I'm, I do get a bit of, uh, ah, he's sort of going back to his, his roots when, when maybe his film choices were a little bit better. But anyway. <laughs> Again, just getting back to the plot for a sec because we know it's very important. But um, <laughs> how everything comes together for the assassins, like they, they come in... Um, because you know, we've, we've got the, the comic sidekick and his band of thieves, and uh, of course the assassins find them. And it's like their plan all along was to have uh, Elvis go in with this band of thieves posing as entertainers to get into the palace so that he can uh, knock off the important dude. But I was thinking, like, he, he only really met these guys because of the comic relief who he paid off at the earlier part of the movie, yet they were part of the assassin's plan all along. <laughs> oh, I was confused too. It's almost like they had to add this sort of extra, not subplot, but it's like they realised the first plot sort of wasn't sustaining the length of the movie that they had to add this extra thing. And it, yeah, I thought the same too. It was quite confusing. And, and when they do finally get to this scene where, I, I, look, I was actually thinking they could do a, probably a really good scene with this, I mean, a really good thing with this movie by actually having him go in and, and be the entertainment and do some really cool scene where they managed to foil it. But it really was just Elvis sneaking in with the cape over his head, walking up to the thing and pretending, you know, looking like he was about to stab and they end up taking him to prison. But I thought they could have done so much more with that scene and, and made it something mm-hmm. kind of quirky, like a diversion, but it never really happened. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And he was going, no, I don't want to kill you. I just want to talk to you. Before being, <laughs> before being locked up. Again, so... Princess Princess totally snitches on him. Oh, she does too, you know, even though she's supposed to be falling in love with him after having seen him for two seconds and, and you know, having to listen to him boringly and sing to her in a pond. Yeah, well, she he, seems to be quite attached to this guy. <laughs> he did sing to her earlier in the movie with some sort of song talking about... Um, oh, I actually put it down here somewhere. Um, talking to her about how it's all kismet and... Stuff like that, which uh, worked really well because the they had their yeah. kiss. Yeah, with the horses. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think she, he, he then reveals to her that he got kidnapped because these assassins wanted him to kill someone important. And then she just immediately ran off and obviously assumed it was her father, <laughs> which is just like, again, nice, nice leap there. Obviously, your father's the most important person in the world. 
stuck up. Yeah, into... <laughs> oh my god! And it's just yeah, there was just so much that was you know quite unbelievable. And I think I don't know if it was when he was that bit where we said, "Yeah, I just want to talk to you." I think it might have been the scene later when I think it might have been. Yeah, actually no, sorry, it's it's when they so before he goes to the banquet or the feast or whatever and tries to apparently kill him but and they're telling him about what he does and Elvis just seems so damn chilled like standing like you know if he was doing serious you'd be you'd expect him to be like oh no you're making me kill the king but instead Elvis is Elvis is just standing back like okay I gotta go to the feast and kill the king it's just like so chilled out like it's like he did not it's like all in a day's work for him but again this was coming across like you know Elvis the actor was probably a bit over the material that he was reading (laughs) or acting or not acting, as the case may be. Yeah, not acting. So, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, it all comes down to I don't know. You know, people did say Elvis actually was quite a good actor, and and you know, probably this movie as a whole doesn't really show it. You know, probably with what he had to work with, but you know, but what he went, had to work with, he still manages to do. But I think he's very not one note's not the word, but yeah, there's not much to his range as an actor. I think it's very much like we said in the opening, he's really just a singing movie star. <laughs> and in a lot of movies he did play a movie star that was singing, so it was very much a um a typecast type role. Very much so. But mind you, I think compared to some of the other performances in this movie, um he, he certainly seems a bit more competent acting wise. <laughs> Oh, definitely. But I always laugh, though, with these, you know, very glossy MGM films that he's in where, um, you know, it's his hair's just this jet black slicked back and you, you can never tell more than any time how dyed it is <laughs> when you watch this. So, you know, like, I'll touch on it a bit later, but you, you've, we've always just got to see that these films are probably the only, well, before things started to go quite bad for Elvis in the 70s, he, you know, and he was quite tired. But these were really, you know, these are the only artefacts we have to really remember Elvis on screen or what Elvis was like is through these movies so that's I think why we said earlier that you know all these fans want to buy everyone because they almost like you know this is kind of all we've got but <laughs> but yeah we you know we don't tend to well I was gonna say this is probably the first time they've been analyzed as much as this but anyway so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well you know that's what we do <laughs> yes exactly but but it was definitely a, a story you didn't feel too invested in I think because like what you're saying it changed a lot and by the second half you weren't just really you weren't really very excited in the plot it, it, I didn't feel you got very invested in it at all it almost even for an hour 21 or whatever it ended up being I still even had to look at my watch and that's unusual for a movie of that length but um, I don't know if that was saying a bit about how I was feeling <laughs> but um, but yeah I'm sure as everyone probably realises because it always happens in these sorts of movies when the the big reveal happens that the person Behind the assassination was the king's brother. Oh, and then the assassins betray him. Ah, it's just like, really? That's all you got for us? I know. And the thing is, they tried to make that big climax, and then, like, well, I was seeing the big climatic scene when they're trying to, I think it's the joke. Oh, yeah, they're trying to kidnap the, sorry, keep keep the guy hostage and they're doing the bit where they're going behind all the pillars and ringing the bells and I'm like I was literally watching it going this is not honestly them trying to have this big climactic finale because <laughs> it was just not exciting but yeah I think by this stage as I said not being very invested in it I think by now you just don't really care <laughs> yeah, yeah you weren't so. caring too much about okay he didn't get assassinated Elvis is still chilled out as anything and you know let's insert one final production number like they all these movies seem to always do but yeah it was quite yeah. um yeah you weren't really caring too much by this stage but yeah, I couldn't like um, because I mean, obviously, you know, he's in with this band of thieves. Suddenly, they get all the people to help fight back against the assassins, so they can save the 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 sheik or whatever. 
Um, and they've got the head assassins guy tied up in a cart. And then, like, the one assassin with a gun gets knocked over, uh, or gets shot with an arrow. And then just as he oh. dies, he turns around and just sprays the head assassin with bullets out of, and like, <sighs> Out of everything else happening in this movie, I just went, what the hell? It was just like, no. what the hell? It just was so out of place when you looked at everything else that happened. Just as grisly end for this guy. I'm thinking, did I see that right? Wow. Yeah, and, and it's like the first time we've seen these shotguns even come out. It's like this one. And, but again, I was thinking this isn't a G-rated movie. I was just not expecting that to just come out of this light Elvis movie. Well, it was apparently light Elvis movie. But yeah, it was so... I'm glad they weren't using it throughout the movie. It would have been a totally different experience, I'm sure. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a one gun in the entire movie. And it's, it's used to just 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 mow down this guy. Um, I suppose I couldn't actually have Alvis kill that bad guy, but, um, yeah, it was just, again, just, just completely out of space. And then, and then you get to the bit where, um, the king, cause the last time we saw the king and his brother, they, they were apparently about to have a sword fight and then they, they come back and they're, uh, they're playing a chess game because, you know, that's the good way to do it before you banish someone. Which is not really such a bad ending for the evil brother. Especially considering he said he was going to go up and, you know, give him give him revenge or whatever, yeah. And I think even later he goes, I decided I was going to, you know, play nice or whatever like that. And you're just like, oh, that was a change of tune in a couple of minutes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. And, and, and also that we can get to the end where everyone's happy again and uh, have a, a big Elvis show number. To finish it up. So, did he finish it with Harem Scarum, the actual theme song again? I'm, by that stage, what, the, yeah, I, the I Harem really, Holiday, I think. The, the Harem Holiday, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he did it again with his. And I was like, you know, had to open with. Um, you know, that's the thing. That's why, again, I was a little bit confused because I thought it was. Um, when it's, you know, that's the thing. I don't know if we're supposed to be. I thought we were back in America or maybe we're. No, we're in the. We're still in that. Arab land watching that movie. I don't know. I'm confused by this stage. But anyway, I thought it would have been... I thought it was showing the poster for a new movie he had coming out. Oh, cool. Sort of referencing it. But no, we've now we've now got Elvis the Cabaret star performing it in a dinner theatre. And I was a bit confused <laughs> with the whole final scene. And pretty much every character is, is in the audience smiling happily while he's surrounded by his... What is it? Johnny Tyrone and his harem of dancing girls, which, again, quite inappropriate. But And Elvis just looked so bored. He was just so... St- um, oh, his just movement was just again. He wasn't hip hip shaken. He was being very serious, but he just looked like he was just going to fall asleep at any moment in that song. But yep, we get that reprise, and that's the end. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the end as he goes in and kisses the princess. Oh, that's right. Of course, yes, it's got to happen like that. Yeah. <laughs> even though I think he was probably kissing his movie career goodbye around this stage. But anyway, so yeah, you're getting a bit of an idea about how we felt about the movie. But I think it's meh. The fact that it was meh um, in our description of it probably sort of shows a lot that um, a lot that we got out of it. These movies aren't really to be taken too seriously. And, and I, I think by this point, MGM weren't really caring too much, even if a lot of it wasn't, because <laughs> a lot of it wasn't very politically correct or even historically correct. Yeah, I don't know if politically correct really comes into a movie from 1965, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, certainly looking at it today, you're going, yeah, that's just wrong. Um, it's but, not a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Well, if we're going to wrap things up, you did choose this movie, Christian. So, if do you mind if I uh, go first with my my thoughts and uh, no worries, Trevor, go right whether or not ahead. I guess it's really cool, sure thing. Well, look, <laughs> straight up, straight up, I love seeing the MGM line. That was really, really cool. And uh, as for the movie, <laughs> I, I actually did try to enjoy it. It's got so many aspects in there that that can make a a good bad movie you know you had overacting you had dodgy music you had bad acting there was a fair amount of campiness um but it it just all sort of like falls apart i mean the the fight scenes were incredibly unconvincing the the songs weren't that memorable and that great and and the acting was yeah just largely wooden um there were moments in there of just creepiness or just ickiness that I couldn't get past. Um, but, like, I think the worst part of it was that, that through most of this movie, I was just plain bored. There was nothing that really grabbed me or, or like, dragged me through the movie or, or got me wanting to really give a toss one way or another what happened to Elvis and his harem of slave girls that wanted to be bought by him. So, yeah, Christian, I, I think it's pretty clear that this movie is not redeemable. Why was I getting that impression in in our conversation? I don't know ever where I got that from. <laughs> but um, look, let's just say I, you know, I, I think I can probably. I don't want to cop out and go. Yep, I second what Trevor says. But yeah, I do. I do feel very um, similar with you um, about the the feelings about the movie. And it was very slow. And as I said, for an, and we always love when we can get an eighty one minute movie or something under two hours. So, but to, for something to still be slow and, and not feel any invested in it, I felt I was going through the motions just like Elvis looked like he was. You know. Going from one non-memorable, one forgettable song to another kind of scene that isn't very well choreographed, especially with the fights or, or, or the climactic scenes. You know, they try and bring in parts what was big scenes with the harem girls and you know things where they could have done really fun things with the entertainment at the feast, but just stuff that didn't really go anywhere. And I think it it almost reflects the mentality of everybody making this project. This is an Elvis movie. This was made to make money. This is not going to be a classic. We weren't intending this to be something that was going to be winning win an Academy Award, and I'm sure it did not even get nominated. So, um, yeah, so Elvis movies by this point, you know, and I'm sorry to talk about it as a whole, but, yeah, it definitely does reference, I mean, represent, you know, the bad Elvis movies. There is about three that are considered the worst, and, and this being one of them. So at least I know we've got fodder for future movies, but now, but... Uh, it, it's, it is sad seeing Elvis lacking energy, especially I'd seen him in Viva Las Vegas two years earlier and he was on fire with Anne Margaret and to see him sort of go from that to this in only two years in, in essentially a movie that should have been a little bit more light-hearted fluff, it, it, it was a bit heavy in some places, like I, I think using that whole Middle Eastern and, and all that sort of harem and desert metaphors, it, it sort of just made it a bit too much and, and the plot became a bit convoluted go back to being a race car driver that's trying to woo over a woman and, and singing all these hip swaying songs don't try and be a, a, a guy disguised as an Arab so I felt that Elvis lacked the energy but probably the, the good thing I look at it is you know these movies are probably like I've said you know the, the only chance really you get to see Elvis in action so I think that's probably you know a really redeem like like you said the MGM line mines the fact that you, you, you're seeing Elvis in action because you know it's it's not a we didn't have music videos of him so by the second half it's tried to be a Bond movie almost with the the, the other the lead um, the first girl was it Aisha or whatever coming in um, and yeah but yeah I wasn't too invested in it at all so yeah I'm going to go with you Trevor and go it is irresistible redeemable i tried to redeem redeemable redeem it overall for his 
its historic context as an Elvis movie, because they are a breed of their own, these movies, but even in that case, it is irredeemable. There we go. Sorry to the king, <laughs> but uh, Harem's Carum can stay in the archives unless you really want to see everything Elvis has ever done. <laughs> um, but of course... And I think that's probably the only time you would. <laughs> but, but of course, this movie does have its fans, or at least I, I think it does. Again, like with the, the lower end of the review scales, there was very... Again, I, I think with regards to people that buy these movies, there was a very definite theme and not much in the way of critical comment. So I, I did skip over all the ones, all the reviews that said, I bought it for a gift, I think the person liked it. Uh, there were a number of those. <laughs> that and, says a lot. <laughs> uh, I've got a five-star review that really, I suppose, sums up the five-star reviews that were out there. This one's simply titled, Harem Scarum. Elvis Presley is, to me, one of the great singers of all time, and to me, he is the king, in capitals. Although I think if Buddy Holly had not died in a plane crash, he could very well have been the king. I would definitely recommend any of the 30-plus movies Elvis made. I plan on buying even more. Five stars. <laughs> oh, Trevor, these people are killing me. It's, and it doesn't seem like anyone wants to give this a crit- critical analysis or a review, so <laughs> it seems just it seems to be a thing for completists. But, hey, I, I can talk. As I said, I had the DVD in my collection because I want to eventually own all the Elvis movies. So, yeah, whether I want to watch them all, I don't know. So... I can see, I can sort of see where they're coming from, but um, if you want something that um, is critically acclaimed or possibly one of the best of movies, yeah, you won't be watching Harem Scarum. You'll either be giving it to a gift for a friend, and, and that's the thing that reviewer didn't say. I don't know if they're still friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Fair enough. I think he liked him. He's not talking to me anymore. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go out and burn my eyes, poke my eyes out. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Well, we're, we're still uh, well. We're two for two now. Two for two, not redeemed. I wonder if we can turn this around anytime soon. What are you going to do to us, Trevor? I, after Harem Scarum, I don't know what kind of oh, torture well, you, you're going to put on me. So, uh, yeah. but I'm open minded. Well, <laughs> and be aware, um, Trevor. You do know there's plenty of Elvis movies that we can redeem in the future. So, you do not think you're out of the woods with Elvis movies. <laughs> Just letting oh, you know. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, well, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not doing an Elvis movie, but um, okay. I, I'm looking at a movie, and, and considering the reputation that the main actor in this movie has, I'm surprised it's actually taken us this long to get to a movie. Uh, I mean, he is absolutely in, he's, he's actually infamous for his over-the-top performances, and uh, the movie I've got uh, in mind is is often called his worst performance, but then there's also plenty of people trying to say that it was his best performance or even his best worst performance. Um, there seems to be covering everything. Uh, it was a box office bomb, though, so don't worry about that. It's rated 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. So, Christian, we are going to break the seal on Nicolas Cage. Oh, oh, and he's done some bad ones, Trevor, so oh, I can only begin to imagine what it's going to be. <laughs> well, we're, we're heading back to 1988, one of his early movies, and I think one that really helped cement his reputation. Christian, we're going to try to redeem Vampire's Kiss. 
<laughs> I have, I'll be honest, I've heard of it, but that's where it ends. I don't know anything else about it. So, oh gosh. And I know Nicolas Cage movies can be hit or miss, so let's hope that this one's not a miss and we can, um, we can end our... Um, El redeemable drought, I think, is probably the word I'm looking for. So, Vampire's Kiss from 1988. I'm keen. I want to get out of Elvis' world. So, yeah, I think this might... Let's go into Nick Cage world. Yeah, I think that's definitely... Um, if you're looking at, at, at the, the scale, uh, I think Elvis and, and Nicolas Cage are on far different parts of it. So, yeah. Um, now, if anybody out there does want to check this one out, uh, it is available on Stan... Uh, if you want to watch it, that's in Australia. Um, if you're outside of Australia, I'm sure you can find it pretty easily. Um, yeah. And uh, we shall see how we go. I'm looking forward to it. I always like seeing a movie I haven't seen and always looking at it through the Rufus Project eyes always is a fun experience. But our chats are probably even more fun, Trevor. So <laughs> as we say, if the movies are bad, at least the chat isn't. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, now before we, we sign off, Christian, do you have anything that you were wanting to plug? Probably just the fact that um, in about a month's time, we will be celebrating 40 years since ABBA came to Australia. Probably one of the biggest tours that ever happened was on the 3rd of March, started on the 3rd of March, 1977. So on the 3rd of March... 2017, 40 years to the day, I'm going to be doing a night where we screen ABBA the movie, which was pretty much made on their Australian tour, so you'll be able to see behind the scenes, and pretty much a lot of footage from the time, and end the night dancing to your favourite ABBA hits, because we'll be celebrating, or probably not celebrating, commemorating their, their trip to Australia, and they actually did not come to Brisbane, so a bit of a chance for us to relive something that didn't quite happen in 1977 for us in Brisbane, but so that'll be happening on the 3rd of March, we're selling a lot of tickets for that, and like, you know me, Trevor, I, I never say no to an ABBA night, so um, any chance to do that, aside from that, all my cult movies will continue at the New Globe Theatre and Metro Arts over the next couple of months. We've got things from Monty Python to Princess Bride to Predator to Terminator, all sorts of things, and you can head out. Head to christianfletcher.com or Christian Fletcher Events on Facebook. And, of course, if you're not tired of my voice just yet, um, I do another podcast with my wife Susie, who you have heard on the podcast before, uh, called What the History. You can actually head to wthpod.rufusproject.com to check that out or find the What the History podcast Facebook page. Um, definitely fun. It's a very short podcast, uh, just really to give you a, a couple of bizarre bits of history every couple of weeks uh, for uh, for your listening pleasure. And we've, we've got some doozies up there, and uh, I believe our next episode will be number 10. So that's quite exciting. Wow, that's gone fast, hasn't it? But um, it's it's great actually having a sister podcast. You know, we kind of we're kind of I don't know illegitimate relatives or something. I don't know, but yeah, we're all, all under the same family there. So yeah, definitely check out what the history if you like your podcast in pods, <laughs> very tiny pods, bite-sized pieces. So definitely recommend that too. Fantastic. Well. Uh... Really, I think that's probably uh, about time to wrap it up so both Christian and I can do some recuperating. We stayed awake! Yay! Yes, we did. And we were talking an Elvis movie, so that we, we did have a bit of a challenge against us there. So, yeah, we survived. We did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, uh, I think I, I, I edited in afterwards last time. We will be giving you a little taste of Vampire's Kiss. I'll be chucking a little bit from the trailer at the end of the podcast. 
so you can uh, get an idea of what we're going to subject ourselves to for next time. Uh, so uh, until then, though, <laughs> Christian, as always, it's been a lovely chat, and I'll chat to you next time about Nicolas Cage and Vampire's Kiss. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Trevor. We'll speak to you then. How was your weekend? It's all right, you know. There's nothing worth shattering. He was an ordinary guy. Morning, everyone. Morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. I'm Peter Lev. Rachel. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. It started with a kiss. Really hot. A very special kiss. You wanted her very badly. Yeah. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Yep, 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 yep. It's affecting his work. There you are! It's a horrible, horrible job. And you have to do it. It's ruining his appetite. My next appointment with you is uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'd like to make it sooner. It's spoiling his sleep. Sooner. And don't think people haven't noticed. Am I getting through to you, Alba? He is so eccentric. My, my. For Peter Lowe. Oh, sooner. That's just love. Love? Love. In the big city. Yeah! Don't laugh. I'm a professional. I don't laugh. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! <laughs> Nicholas Cage. The tortures of the damned! Maria Conchita Alonso. Shoot. Do it or I'll fire you. Do you understand? <laughs> Not the floor, Alba. And Jennifer Beals. You are so pathetic. Vampires kiss. Strange stuff. I'll never do that again. Jeez. But it's good to watch this movie. Do you think we should? Got bad I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Boy, oh boy, Christian and Trevor on the case, watching movies from all over the place. I'm the beast. It's bad, but we want to know if it's fun to be had. Boy, oh boy, redeeming features. Pretty girl's gonna know I'm a 